welcome to back to the Gryffindor Common Room. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm your host, Michelle. And this week we have a very special guest with us, Lucy. Hello, everybody. Oh, Lucy, Lucy, we're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. This is like my favorite Harry Potter podcast, of course. So <laughs> it's so cool to be on here and meet you guys. The yeah. only downside about having you on here is we don't have any voicemails for That's you. True. <laughs> can can this whole thing is a long voicemail. <laughs> Good. When we get to the point at the end where we do the voicemails, you can leave us a quick message. There you go. Yes, there we go. <laughs> That'll make me feel better about the situation. All right. Well, welcome, Lucy. We are, like Bretta said, we're absolutely thrilled to have you here. Um, this is amazing having you here. This really, really is. Yeah. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your Hogwarts house, favorite book, movie, characters, that sort of thing? Yep, so as the listeners won't be able to see, but obviously you two can from my scarf, I am a Ravenclaw, and my secondary house is probably Hufflepuff, and my favorite book. Now, I just started the seventh book, but out of the ones that I have read so far, I'd say either Goblet of Fire or Half-Blood Prince were my favorites. Mm. <laughs> and then my favorite movie was probably Prisoner of Azkaban. And then my Patronus on the official Wizarding World quiz I took, I got a dolphin. And the description of dolphin claims like, you know, they're so friendly and sociable, very playful. If you have a dolphin as a Patronus, perhaps it matches your own extroverted personality. I'm like, nope. <laughs> and so honestly, that does not really describe me. But I did look on the list and it, I think I'm more of a fox because they're like very resourceful and resilient and intelligent and things like that. And so I think that one fits me a little better. Yeah, I like that. You know, but the thing with the dolphin is, though, and, you know, we all go through stages. I don't care what age you are, where you change, your personality changes, little things about you change. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm not the same person I was a year ago, let alone five years, 10, 20, whatever. So you never know. You might, that Patronus might mean something for your future. You never know. Yeah. Good point. So there you go. Okay. Now... What about your wand? Was that yes, accurate? My wand. This one I don't have any problems with at all. But this one I have laurel wood, unicorn hair core, twelve and a fourth inches, and rigid flexibility. And so, yeah, I guess that means laurel wands don't really perform dishonorable acts, mm -hmm. and that seems good with me. So, <laughs> yeah. Doubled with the unicorn hair, which is like the hardest to turn to. I like, know. I'm, dark I'm side. safe from the evil now. <laughs> yeah, that fits. That fits you really well. You will never be a death eater. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So today we're actually going to be discussing the Goblet of Fire, um, both the book and the movie, just kind of the story as a whole. Uh, before we get into that, Michelle has some super exciting news for you all. Ooh. I do. So, um, everyone, you know that Retta and I will be doing two panels at LeakyCon. Uh, we are going to be reliving the Great Snape debate. We're also going to be doing uh, Harry Potter, the real timeline. I had also put in for a panel, um, and I 
was under the impression I, I didn't get it. Uh, it was called Everything Kind of Sucks, The Mental Toll of Being the Chosen One. Uh, and the, the Chosen One refers to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And what the panel is going to be looking at is the similarities between Buffy and Harry Potter and their roles as the quote-unquote chosen one, uh, which Buffy actually refers to herself as at, at one point. Um, and there are so many similarities in that between the two stories. And I'm a huge Buffy fan. I write Buffy fan fiction. Uh, and today I got the email. I have been selected to do the panel. So... I will That's be so cool. Doing... Yes. So um, it's going to suck because Retta's not going to be in on the panel. Uh, I wish she could, but she doesn't know anything about Buffy, so that would kind of be counterproductive. Um, but it'll, yeah. So yikes, a third panel. <laughs> it's going to be a busy, busy weekend. <laughs> it is. And. It, you know, bringing two of the fandoms I love together, um, especially one as old as Buffy. I mean, you can compare Percy Jackson and Harry Potter all day long, and they weren't written too far apart. Mm-hmm. Buffy is over 20-some years old. Mm-hmm. So that's really going far back and it, it's it's one of those oh okay and then seeing the similarities it's just going to be amazing to cover in that panel <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be oh so eek. i'm excited i'm thrilled yeah we're excited for you, yeah. <laughs> you. all right guys. we don't have any of the details about when our panels are going no. to be so for those of you who are coming to LeakyCon. We don't know yet. As soon as we know, we will make sure we're putting it out on our socials and mentioning it in episodes, um, just so that in case you listen to our podcast and want to come see us live, you will know when and where to find us. Yes, and actually we will be doing an episode in a few weeks all about LeakyCon, what we know so far, who the vendors are going to be, what panels are going to be out there besides ours uh we will be discussing a little bit more about our panels uh we'll be talking about the celebrities that are going to be there and if it's going to be your first time going to LeakyCon, what to expect and some advice from people who didn't get advice before they went and now know they should have had some advice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes so we will be doing that in just a few weeks all right guys Real quick, uh, before we get too far into the show, don't forget to rate and follow us wherever you are listening. This helps new listeners find the show and helps us grow. And we did also want to issue a spoiler alert. Uh, We will definitely be talking about everything through Goblet of Fire, but a lot of those themes do tie in through things throughout the series. And so just if you haven't, you know, read or watched everything, there might be some things coming up that spoil some things that happen in the later books so and to my co-worker izzy this is a great one for you uh because you will find out a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't learn during the movie yes so. all right izzy did ask that i let her know anytime it's an episode she definitely should be listening to mm-hmm. so all right so let's kind of go through the story in order well we're taking two main plots from the story. We're taking the Quidditch World Cup 
and the Triwizard Tournament, which are the big themes in the books and in the movies. You know, while there are other things that go on, those are the two major events. So, all right. Rada, you want to start with the Quidditch World Cup? Yeah. So, Quidditch World Cup is pretty much what the name says. It's just, you know, the championship game. Every four years, they have the tournament with all the professional Quidditch teams across the world, and then... Yeah, once every four years, they have the matchup. Um, and the one that happens during the series is Bulgaria versus Ireland. And is a great example when people ask, well, why do you even bother with the quaffle when the snitch is worth 150 points and you automatically win? Because the snitch does not guarantee that you do win, as was proven in this game. Very much so. Very much so. Now, Lucy, who were you, you know, while we're getting into the beginning of the Quidditch World Cup and it's announced it's mm-hmm. Bulgaria versus Ireland. Now, none of us as readers knew anything about either team. Did you have one that you wanted to win one more than the other? Um, honestly, I hardly ever have like any preferences in the sports world. <laughs> I know nothing about it. So I was just like, you know, whoever wins, I'm sure they'll be fine and good. And- <laughs> You know, whoever, like, the main characters want to win, I can get behind that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get a little bit of of knowledge of Quidditch through the books, the the previous books. But it never really covers the professional aspect of it. You know, other than learning that Ron is a huge Chudley Cannons um, fan. (laughs) You know, that's... nobody else is. Yeah, he's their one fan in the entire world, but, you know, hey, um, we don't know that much about him, so it really is hard, I think, even if you are a sports fan, to go, okay, this is the country I want to win, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so, um, now, Lucy, what were your thoughts on having read the book? And then seeing the movie, how it was portrayed on screen. What were your and yeah, were you happy or displeased or you wanted more? Um. Well, when I watched the movie the first time, I definitely remember remembering that there was a lot more about the Quidditch World Cup in the books, and so it was just sort of there and then done with in the movie. It feels like, and so honestly, I. I'm happy with the length that it was, I think, as like, I mean, Quidditch is a very interesting sport, considering different sports that I know about. And so, I mean, I probably would have been able to continue to follow along if they had made it longer. But like, like I said, I'm not a huge sports person. So I'm also totally fine with the amount that we got. Hmm. Now, Did you have any opinion, you know, thinking back to the books, okay, we hear about the mascot for Bulgaria's team being the Vilas, and then we've got leprechauns for Ireland. We had a stereotype there, guys. Um, (laughs) Did you have any feelings about those not being shown in the movies? Was that a little bit of a letdown? Did you want to see that? 
or you didn't have one feeling one way or another? Um, I'm trying to think back now. It's honestly, I don't even know if I like consciously thought about the fact that they were missing in the movies. Uh, I think I saw the movie the second time around just recently and then reread the book. And so at that point, I didn't remember that there were the mascots at the beginning. But, I mean, I think it could have been cool to see that, though. Right, definitely. I, I think that's a moment I, I, I really kind of want to see more in depth of the Quidditch World Cup when they do the TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Red is sitting here nodding. I have a lot of thoughts here. about when Goblet of Fire is made into that that season of the TV show. I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, calmly? <clears throat> or maybe, you know, give us more of the Quidditch World Cup and less of the dragon breaking out of its enclosure to chase Harry because that didn't, that was... We'll, we're, we're, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, I think one of, and I think you two might agree, you know, the whole... Friend George making the bet mm-hmm. was something that we really missed out on. The leprechaun's gold being something we missed out on. Yeah, Ludo Bagman not being in there. Winky not being in there except for arguably a very brief cameo as you see her and Dobby kind of going across the screen. But Yeah, I'm trying to remember in the movie, like do they have any lead up to Harry giving Fred and George his winnings? Or is it just like, oh, you, you even... want a joke shop? Here. I don't even remember them showing that in the movie. I don't think they do. There, no. Yeah, there's none of that. There's You don't see that relationship between Harry and the twins. But that relationship is really important because then it ties into Half-Blood Prince when, you know, yeah. they're all w- looking around their shop and they're like, Harry, you can have whatever you want. Ron, you're our brother. You have to pay double. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there yes. was actually a very solid reason behind that. And that's, yes. Harry was the one that gave them their start in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that relationship too shows the family bond that he has developed with all the Weasleys. Because mm-hmm. um, they're like his older brothers. That he never had. So. Yeah there's so much from. The, <laughs> the Quidditch World Cup. That, that's absolutely missing. Um, do you want to take. A moment to quote. <laughs> Jenny here. Not a single quaffle thrown, not a single snitch caught, but the 427th Quidditch World Cup is already mired in controversy. Hmm. Jenny, look at you go, girl. <laughs> um, Was that from the book? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's her in the the Daily Prophet, but yeah. Yep. I think that was after, it may have been Afterworld, but um, still, (laughs) she just nails that one. 
Yep. Yeah, because we get through the Quidditch World Cup, and then we have the Death Eaters starting their nonsense. <laughs> or I like how I put it in the notes. True. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to steal your quote. You can go ahead and say that. <laughs> I put in, in the episode notes as as we're going through this as like Death Eaters start their crap. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just publicly humiliating and taunting muggles by hoisting them up in the air and spinning them around and upside down and... It's terrible. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, it... And we don't really see... You know, okay, so the way it looks is that the Quidditch World Cup is ended... They're back in the tent, and all of a sudden, this all happens. Now, they did put together a timeline on the lexicon for it. And this just kind of shows really how things kind of went during that one. Um, Let me see if I can pull this one up here. All right. Yeah, so the Quidditch World Cup, that one didn't start until about 10 p.m. It ended at midnight. So that's a very short one from from what we've been told. Quidditch World Cup could last for days. Yeah. That's very quickly. About 1 a.m. Harry and everyone return to their tent and begin talking over the match. About 2 to 3 a.m. is when they go to bed and 3 a.m. is when the riot begins. So you've got people who are completely exhausted and then this, you know, pardon my language here, all hell breaks loose, pretty much. Yeah, and in the book, it's almost more terrifying than it was in the movie, because in the movie, they just kind of wake up and there's just like this wake of destruction left behind, whereas in the movie, like, You see the Death Eaters marching around. You see the muggle caretakers of the campground essentially being publicly lynched. That's kind of the imagery that it gives you. And, you know, then Draco just very casually taunting Hermione because she's a muggle-born being like, well, it could be you that's up there next. It's just very chilling the way that that, uh, the author laces in real life parallels to racism and it just makes me mad prejudice just Mm -hmm. makes me mad yeah i didn't deal well with that either now lucy what were your thoughts on how all that was portrayed in the books and the movies well i definitely remember the book scene of that a lot more vividly it's i mean it's just awful like you said it's death eaters just being awful and evil for really no good reason other than to like spread fear and chaos in the wizarding world and like i really really hate it when people do like bad things but they don't even have a good motive behind it necessarily and it's just for the sake of like being evil and that just irritates me because then i just have no sort of empathy toward them whatsoever it just makes me mad, you know? <laughs> yep. Definitely. Definitely. I think, too, you know, we... 
we really see how much of a coward the Death Eaters are, too, because they're in their masks. Mm-hmm. You know, so <clears throat> this is a hate group who, and yes, I'm going to liken them to the KKK at this point. We're going to hide behind something. We're not even going to show you who we are. If we really want you to be afraid, you know, yes, there is something terrifying about someone in a mask or behind something where you can't see them and you don't know who you're facing. But if I want to intimidate someone, I want them to look in my eyes and be intimidated. I'm not going to hide behind something. I'm going to look at them. Well, that's your Gryffindor showing, not your Slytherin. (laughs) Well, yeah, and the Death Eaters were Slytherin. Many of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at at least the ones that were there that we know of Mm -hmm. were the Slytherins. So, well, no, not... Was Scabbers there? Because I was going to say, there was one Gryffindor Death Eater there. Um, (laughs) He was probably taking care of Voldemort. I don't don't know how to refer to the form Voldemort was in. The weird (laughs) man-baby thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I have nothing. I have nothing. I could get more creative with my description if you'd like, but we... Please no. (laughs) Please no. Lucy, save me here. (laughs) Help. All right. Any other thoughts on the Quidditch World Cup before we... No. I thought the, the... I will say that the transition from that horrible mess to the rest of the movie was just almost like it didn't happen. Yeah. Like, can you really tell me that as a teenager, you're going to this big event and then you're camping out with your friends and you're just having a great time. And suddenly like people are being publicly humiliated and you might die. And like, you're being accused of things that you didn't do by ministry officials. Like that's more than a little traumatic. (laughs) Right, right. I, it it almost seems like you know, in the, in the book, it wasn't this seamless. Okay, we're going from terrifying to everything's great now. We're at school, everything's wonderful. But in the movie, that's the feeling I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we miss Mrs. Weasley. Like as she's sending them off, she's like yelling at the twins about how many owls they received and you know them continuing on with their joke shop stuff and then they get home and she is just like a sobbing mess and she's like i'm so sorry imagine if you had died and the last thing i had yelled at you was about your owls very much a mother thing to do absolutely (laughs) i would be like your owls still matter but i'm sorry (laughs) um what was your, Lucy, what was your favorite moment from the Quidditch World Cup, though? Ooh, well. Book or movie, or both? Um, I really liked, um, well, like, all the different sort of flashy things, like the little 
macrobinoculars that Harry has that can like play things back at a different time. And then he just hears people like cheering. He's like, wait, they're just flying around. Like, well, it's not in right time. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Watch, like, I can make that guy pick his nose over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <sighs> yeah. And the, uh, I guess like, the mascot thing, that was very interesting, I guess, is the best way to put it. And just, like, Ron's, like, just climbing over his seat, trying to look at the Vilas, and it's, like... <laughs> it's just interesting. There's no way to put it. You know, that's one of the things I've always hoped Hermione remembers later on. <laughs> and, like... You know, later on in their marriage, like 15 years later. So, honey, do you remember that time when we were kids and you went and you were looking at those women? Mm-hmm. So who would you rather look at now? You know, just. <laughs> well, at least I'm not stupid enough to yeet myself from our seats at the Quidditch World Cup over some mascots. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ron. You know that marriage has got to be very interesting, and she's just got to, you know, do you remember, honey, when this happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And him going, I wonder if I can obliviate her. (laughs) And I don't remember at what point this is in the book, but I feel like, was it just like in the woods after the match or something? When they're like some guys and some villas there, and they're just the guys are just like boasting about these ridiculous made up things. Oh, <laughs> yeah, during that time. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't remember exactly what they're boasting about, but they're like, oh, yeah. like the I'm about to be minister, minister of, of magic. magic. Yeah. yeah, yep. It's yeah, yeah, just <laughs> funny. So, then the next thing we have is the try wizard tournament um i'm gonna take a a quote here from dumbledore the tournament was generally agreed to be a most excellent way of establishing ties between young witches and wizards of different nationalities until that is the death toll mounted so high that the tournament was discontinued Um. So let's start it again. That's a great idea. Thank you, Dumbledore. (laughs) The idea of, like, establishing these connections between the different nationalities, like, that's a fine idea. I think they should do more of that. But it's the part where you're, like, practically battling to the death here for your school's honor. It's... Who thought that was a good idea, really? (laughs) Yeah, let's have a spelling bee. Yes, yeah. (laughs) We don't non violence. <laughs> Not dragons and <laughs> just do some team building activities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they had done a spelling bee, can you imagine what would it have taken for Voldemort to come back at that point? <laughs> they spelled the the Crucio wrong. Voldemort has risen. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my word. Uh, Spell yeah. Avada Kedavra. Oh, crud, I just killed the judges. <laughs> Michelle, this is why we deal with our issues. You can't cast that effectively unless you mean it. <laughs> I should have worn my red shirt today. <laughs> Who says I wouldn't mean it? 
I know. That's why I'm saying we need you to work through these things before you get to the spelling bee. (laughs) (laughs) We need to have like a mental workshop in the weeks leading up to the spelling bee, just so everyone's in the right state of mind here. Okay, so you do realize who you're talking to here, Lucy, right? I mean... We'll take you to one of those smash it rooms first. Oh, this, for a warm up, cool. No, not, not for a warm up, Michelle. This is t- <laughs> warm up the actual activity and the cool down. We're gonna get it all out in the smash it room first. So, can I use Crucio on the objects? No, no unforgivable curses, Michelle. <laughs> We've had this. Dis- I know we've had this discussion because we had it earlier today. You do not look good in prison orange and I do not have bail money to get you out. Well, what if you're my alibi? Michelle, (laughs) no unforgivable curses and definitely don't talk about them on air. (laughs) Darn it. We're getting very sidetracked. Have I ever mentioned I want to learn the cruciatus? Uh... A few times a day. Um, <laughs> okay, going on. Origin of the Triwizard Tournament. Poor Lucy is never going to come back. She's going like, to no, I'm sorry, I can't deal with Michelle. Like, it's one thing listening to the episode. It's another thing dealing with her. I'm not doing it. I'm not coming back. This is why some of the episodes are delayed, because Retta has to spend two hours editing them. <laughs> oh, you're not editing a single bit of this. We'll see. Retta. Okay, now on to why Retta is evil. So number one, no, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> so let's go into the origin of the Triwizard Tournament. And this is just going to be a, a brief history. So it originated some 700 years ago. Uh, it was a friendly competition between the three schools. And each school took turns hosting the tournament, which took place every five years. Um, and then the judges for the tournament, tournament included the heads of the three schools. So, um, cheating was also considered normal and a traditional part of the tournament. And we wonder why people died. (laughs) Does that mean I could use unforgivables during it? Anyways. Oops. Well, it's like if they hadn't cheated, their odds of dying against the dragons in the first task alone would have gone way up. That's and true. <laughs> so it's good to, you know, avoid death, especially death of students. But then, like, you know, they're all like being all high and mighty about Dumbledore. And Dumbledore's like, no, there's not going to be any cheating going on. She's like,. <laughs> So your actual plan is to send these 17 and 18 year old wizards up against a fully grown dragon trying to protect its nest without even giving them any sort of fireman equipment or anything? Really? Okay. That's fine. Well, the great choice in Dumbledore's part. (sighs) Yeah. And this is why we did that episode on why Dumbledore sucked. Um... (laughs) Okay, let's let's talk about some things that we're missing from the beginning there. Um, the entrance. 
of the students, the actual, when they got there? It's the day before Halloween. Mm-hmm. And Bobatons and Durmstrang were not, like, Bobatons was not an all-girls school. Durmstrang was not an all-male school. They were both co-ed schools. It irritates me so much. And they didn't have this stupid little, like, prancing in with these silk uniforms that are going to rip in about four seconds going "Ah," and like exuding magical butterflies and then the men come in and they're like doing gymnastics and banging their sticks on the ground going oh we're men it's so stupid (laughs) the problem is it's not even an exaggeration (laughs) Greta tell us how you really feel (laughs) I Fleur was not just chosen because she was the best of the girls' school. Like, she was the best out of her entire school, male and female. And this is the other problem I have, is because, do they have to make Fleur come, like, last in every single challenge? It was like she was just an extra. She did not even contribute to the tournament as a whole. She's, like, quit the lake one, and then Harry had to go save her sister. It's, she didn't. (laughs) <laughs> they did her so dirty and then like oh, Barty Crouch Jr. like flat out attacks her in the maze and takes her out of any chance at that and uh, Fleur deserved better from everybody everybody in this series owes her an apology except for her sister <laughs> and Bill Bill doesn't owe her an apology <laughs> no no um no, it, I mean, throughout the entire series, she's kind of done dirty, but the movie really did her dirty. Yeah. Um, at least we didn't have to deal with anyone calling her phlegm later on. <laughs> True. You know, we will have to deal with that in the TV show if they keep their promise. Um, yeah, but like we were saying, like, Fleur's done completely dirty. She's made out to be an airhead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think... We've got to remember, she's only quarter Vila. Um, but yet, it's all focused on her looks. Almost as if she's 100% Vila. And none of her brains... Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, especially for a series that was written by a woman, I feel like there's a lot of things like that that go on, and it just is kind of disappointing because it's like, no, like, I I want to see these cool female characters that are powerful in their own right and good at what they do and have value beyond just their physical appearance. Right, but let's also remember, this is all the perspective of a teenage boy. In the 1990s. Uh, Okay. So, as someone who lived through that, I don't believe it was the author's intention to come across as sexist. I think she was showing us, really, the time frame of then. Of how things were like. Things were. True. I mean, honestly. mm -hmm. Like... 
that that is a fair point. But then also, it's not Harry's perspective that Flora just did so terribly at all of the Triwizard Challenges. <laughs> and she's, no, there's I, no I, evidence shown of why she was selected to be the champion. Because well, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about the books when we just hear how beautiful she is mm-hmm, and everyone's true, fawning yeah. over her. You know, that is all the perspective of a teenage boy. A very close-minded, and I'm sorry, Harry was a very close-minded teenage boy. Better than Ron, but only marginally, because at least he didn't do the whole... Well, Hermione, you're a girl. You're a girl. <laughs> and I, I love Harry's face in that moment in the movie where he's just like, Ron, no, Ron, danger, stop, stop talking now. <laughs> Did you... Like, okay, so I want you to go back and watch that and look at Snape's look on his face when Ron says that. The look oh, on Alan noticed his face. face. Yeah, if you can get the wide panel view of that, the look on Alan Rickman's face is like, really? I'm about to hit you with this book. <laughs> and uh. you, you know it's all in character, but so we go then to that moment where he takes their heads and shoves them into their books. Mm-hmm. And all I can think of is both boys have put their foot so far in their mouth. They actually deserve that one from Snape. It, yeah. Not to mention they are in study hall and should actually be studying. Right. But if you notice in the movie, at least Hermione's talking too. And he says, Snape says nothing to her. Yeah, because he knows she actually knows how to get her work done and do it intelligently with good grades. Right. But the second he he's like, okay, you two have already stepped in it enough. And notice he doesn't go after George and Fred, mm. who are not known for their good grades. Yeah. But then again, they're not being idiotic teenage boys at that point. Yeah. But he's looking at these two like, you know what? You two are so stupid. I'm just going to shove your faces in these books because... Yeah. If you don't have street smarts, you can at least try for the book smarts. <laughs> well, you know, when she says later on that Ron's got the emotional range of a teaspoon, I'm sitting there going, well, at least Harry's got a tablespoon. <laughs> if that, but yes, I mean. It's one of the truest quotes Hermione said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you've got the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean we all do. <laughs> And yet those two end up married. <laughs> Growth. Either that or Hermione is very tolerant. <laughs> that too. And look, I wonder if any of the cards at her wedding were sympathy cards. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sure like Ron's like siblings would write that sort of thing, but <laughs> Yeah. I-, I would write that sort of letter for somebody marrying my brother. <laughs> okay, so you just pulled a Jenny Weasley. Jenny <laughs> did. I'm pr- sure. Pretty, pretty sure Jenny went the morning of the wedding and went, Hermione, you can back out. I have plenty of brothers to choose from, yeah. right? You Are know you that, really right? sure? <laughs> you want this one? I've, I've got others. <laughs> Pick one of them. Of course, Hermione no. probably also did the same thing to Jenny when she was marrying Harry. So. <laughs> Like, do you really want to do, have you met him? Do you really want to, do you know what you're getting yourself into? No, but, um, we miss a lot of that Ron making an idiot of himself over the Vilas. Mm-hmm. We get that, that quick moment in the movie 
where he looks at their rear ends and goes, bloody hell. Such a that boy. You got to admit, they got that part of Ron correct. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but of course, you know, Harry and the drool coming out of his mouth. You know. Mm. You know. That was that was great. I I relate to that a lot because that is usually how things go for me on the rare occasion that I do try to flirt. Does not. Yeah. Are you not good at it? Not when I'm trying to flirt. <laughs> anyway. But, okay, yes. So, you know, the things that stick out the most here. So we've got the date the students actually arrived. Um, how they arrived. Then we have Harry's name entering the Goblet of Fire. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore asked calmly. Calmly. I will never get over this. <laughs> Look, if if in the show Dumbledore screams it, I'm out. Like, I'm dropping the yeah. rest of the show. I don't care if they manage to bring Alan Rickman back from the dead and put him as Snape. If Dumbledore yells, I'm never watching again. Rage quitting Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, then we've got, you know, another thing. Our favorite thing is, I am not an owl. <laughs> again, typical teenagers, like... Well, I'm not talking to Ron, so you can tell him that I said this. And that's such a teenager thing to do. And it's just like, guys, just... Do either one of you remember the direct quote, though? It was Pavarti said that Hagrid... Either one of you remember it? I don't remember specifically, but yeah, it was like... Uh... Somebody heard from Seamus, heard from Dean, heard from Parvati, heard from this other person that Hagrid is looking for you. <laughs> it would be faster well, to send an owl at that point. Ron that <laughs> yeah. I, what was that, Lucy? I said it would be faster to send an owl at that point. <laughs> yes. Yep. But that was just Emma Watson delivered that line so classic mm -hmm. and so brilliantly. <clears throat> So, yeah. So then we've got, you know, the tension between Ron and Harry. Because, of course, you know, Ron does not believe Harry didn't put his name in there. Yeah. And Ron's just had enough of being pushed to the side and never getting the spotlight. Because even in his own family... He was always, you know, he's the last born son out of six sons and, you know, just always had insecurities and issues with that. And then Harry's instantly the most popular kid, not just at school, but in the entire wizarding world. And all the attention's always on Harry. And as Hermione puts it, it eventually just was too much. Now, question for both of you. Lucille. 
have you answer first here. Before we find out how Harry's name got in there, mm-hmm. what was your guess? Did you have a guess as to how that happened? Or were you Ooh. just completely confused and went, what? Uh, I'm sure I was just very confused and it felt like, I don't know, like, I knew definitely there was something deeper going on and some other, like, side mystery plot that would be eventually solved. But I just could not figure out how that happened. And, like, did a teacher do that? Did... I just had no clue who would possibly do such a thing and why. Retta, what do you think? Yeah, I didn't kind of the same i didn't have any sort of guess about who it would have been i was just like huh that's weird (laughs) weird things like that happen at hogwarts they should really check in on their security (laughs) i thought it was dumbledore oh in the book now keep in mind this is one of the times i read the book before i watched the movie i thought it was dumbledore because of him asking calmly. Um, I just, it never dawned on me that it could have been, I never believed it was Snape. I know a lot of my friends at the time thought it was Snape. I did not think it was. Um, at that point, I still thought Snape hated Harry, but not enough to do that. But the fact that the school administrator was going, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I think the second reaction, the movie reaction, is more on point, though, from a school administrator. As much as I hate that line, because (laughs) how it's supposed to be according to the books, um... That is more along the lines of what I would expect from a principal or a headmaster or whoever is to be, you're underage. Did you put your name in there? I want to know, and I want to know right now. Yep. So. Um, let's also go with the lack of Charlie Weasley. Yeah. That was very sad. <laughs> Because he's just this cool older brother. And, like, Bill is portrayed as being, like, the coolest ever with his long hair and fang earring. But, honestly, I think the guy who deals with dragons for a living is cooler than a banker. So. Curse breaker. I still think the dragons thing is cooler. I like dragons. Oh, yeah. I would date Charlie Weasley. But... I wanted to see, you know, he and Bill were supposed to be very close. And then he was supposed to be very close with the twins. So I kind of wanted to see Charlie because of that. And then if we look back, so let's think back to Prisoner of Azkaban. We have that photo of them in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Neither actor that, well, again, we don't know with Charlie because Charlie wasn't there. Um, but the actor who paid, portrayed Bill so then we get Bill, and he doesn't look anything like that. So I was like, okay, what is Charlie going to look like then? And we never see him. Yeah. And, like, 
We should have seen him in Goblet of Fire, and we should have seen him in Deathly Hollows Part 1, because he was best man at Bill and Fleur's wedding. We also should have seen him earlier on. From all of that. Mm-hmm. Baby Norbert. Well, he didn't come in person for that, though, did he? Did, wasn't I it his friends did. came in pick, picked up I the dragon? thought he came with his friends. I need to reread the series before LakeyCon. We both do. We're not losing a trivia this year. Dang it. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. LeakyCon, if any of you from LeakyCon, you know what? It, it, they didn't lead that trivia thing. Okay, fine. If Jacob listens to this, I'm sorry. It was Lee, Fred, and George that led the radio show. Yeah, I will fight. I wanted to fight them on this. I was too tired at that point, but <laughs> I was too anyway. shocked to fight them. Okay, anyways, um, hold on. So real quick, so let's go back to the Triwizard Tournament here. <clears throat> this is the thing that that this whole speech was taken out. Bits and pieces were put in, but this is what Dumbledore says about the Goblet of Fire here. Anyone, sorry, anybody wishing to submit themselves as champion must write their name and school clearly upon a slip of parchment and drop it into the goblet. Aspiring champions have 24 hours in which to put their names forward. Tomorrow night, Halloween, the goblet will return the name of the three it has judged most worthy to represent their schools. The goblet will be placed in the entrance hall tonight, where it will be freely accessible to all wishing to compete. To ensure that no underage student yields to temptation, I will be drawing an age line around the goblet of fire once it has been placed in the entrance hall. Nobody under the age of 17 will be able to cross this line. I wish to impress upon you... Any of you wishing to compete, this tournament is not to be entered into lightly. Once a champion has been selected by the Goblet of Fire, he or she is um, obliged to see the tournament through to the end. The placing of your name in the goblet constitutes a binding magical contract. There can be no change of heart once you've become a champion. Please be very sure, therefore, that you are wholeheartedly prepared to play before you drop your name into the goblet. And yet they hold an underage wizard to a magical binding contract. That he did not willfully enter, and even if he did, he's underage. He can't be held to a legal contract. Now That's Dumbledore for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the age line here. Here's a question for both of you here. The age line. Now, we see Fred and George try across that age line. <laughs> And we see what happens. Both of them end up as old men. <laughs> now, knowing how the series ends. Michelle, why? <laughs> because my Slytherin is showing. You know where I'm going with this, Renna. I know exactly oh, where no. you're going with this. Lucy's <laughs> figured it out. The look on her face. Her eyes got big. Her jaw hit the floor. She's like, no. No, Michelle, no. <laughs> How does it feel knowing that it's the only time Fred and George see each other as old men?
both of you hate me right now, I know. I'm finally understanding Retta's pain and all of your evil, like, quizzlers you pulled on her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll see what I have to deal with here. <laughs> Lucy now hates me. All of her voicemails are going to be addressed towards Retta. <laughs> Retta the nice one and the Slytherin one. <laughs> and to the one who she shall not be named. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oof. Oh, and she says, yeah. Oh, I see how it is, Lucy. I said oof. <laughs> no, Lucy goes, yep. <laughs> wow. This is my Slytherin. <laughs> I revoked your secondary house's Hufflepuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> secondary house Slytherin. <laughs> uh, to answer the question, how does it feel? Sad. Sad. But at least they got to see it at some point. Yeah. It's still sad. <laughs> it is. It is. Someone said they felt like that was foreshadowing. I mean, the amount of complexity and foreshadowing that the other weaved into the series really is just masterful. Like, the way that she ties in themes from like book one and seven and two and six and three and five but then also like throughout you know like books two and six both have to do with like horcruxes and voldemort's backstory and just little things like that like Sirius is introduced in book three and he's killed off in book five the way it mirrors each other and weaves all throughout and there's important details that you don't pick up until you know your second third and so on, read through. It, it really until is masterful. You, or until you see a TikTok and then do the math yourself and realize it's true. Like the fact that Harry was away from the wizarding world for nine and three quarter years. I think you just blew both of our minds. <laughs> no, so someone did the math of when he was born versus when he was removed. Well, when his parents died. And it came out to he was away versus when he then returned. And he was away for nine and three quarter years. I did the math twice. Twice It added up. And I'm not good at math. But I had someone else look over. Because I was like, I'm wrong. And they were like, nope, you did the math right. You're right. That's That's crazy. Dang. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to take the next part of this. Retta? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's go chronologically. Let's go with the first task. Uh, with the dragons. We kind of already mentioned this a little bit. But, like, you know, as far as the audience is concerned, this is probably very entertaining to watch. Um, but also very dangerous, whether you're the participant or in the audience, because dragons breathe fire over quite a distance, and fire is dangerous. So, 
not really sure what they were thinking bringing nesting mothers into a school. At least they were pretty. I. You would think Hagrid came up with this plan. <laughs> Who said he didn't? Yeah, you know it. Maybe it was. Maybe maybe that was Dumbledore's like just having a staff meeting, and he's like, "Okay, guys, what should we do for the Triwizard Tournament tasks?" Hagrid's like dragons. <laughs> Well, Dumbledore does trust Hagrid with his life, so... Yeah. (laughs) Great idea, Hagrid, sure. Uh, What are the most dangerous ones? We'll bring those in. Mm -hmm. Make sure that the youngest participant gets the most dangerous dragon. (laughs) What's next? Snape just suggests that they all go drown themselves in the lake. Oh, that's a good idea! (laughs) Add it to the clipboard. (laughs) No, Snape's like, can we just drown the students? <laughs> sure, and we'll make the tra- champions uh, rescue them. Great yeah. idea. Good idea, Severus. Perfect. <laughs> Snape's sitting there going, what? <laughs> I mean, I was joking, but if you want to. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> Except in my fanfic mind, Snape's going... Wait, are they drowning my future wife? Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Thank you, Lizzie. <laughs> um, yeah, the end well, of the came up with the third one. I then. Uh, I could see that being McGonagall or Dumbledore. It kind of has, you know, similar to like Sorcerer's Stone. All the different traps that are all set up there. Right, but whose idea was to throw them in a maze and watch them come out of it? Uh, maybe Felch, because he views them as rats. So he says, just throw them in a maze. Ooh. No, somehow Arthur Weasley got in to a staff meeting and was like, you know, I saw this really cool thing on Muggle TV where they put these rats and put this piece of cheese at the end and they have to find their way through it. Oh my word. Dumbledore goes, I like that. <laughs> the problem here is Dumbledore just doesn't know how to refuse any of these staff. <laughs> he just goes, okay. <laughs> Takes another drag off of his joint. Okay, whatever. <laughs> no, we all think those were, were lemon drops. Um, they were edibles. <laughs> Now we know why the password to his office is always some sort of sweet. <laughs> anyway, end of the first task when they're doing the judging. People, you're Slytherin is showing. <laughs> and they're all, you know, the judges are all giving Harry their scores. And Ron has finally come up to Harry and he's like, okay, I believe you now that you didn't sign up for this. And then Karkaroff scores Harry super low. And Ron is just like, you liar, you gave Crumb this number, that's so unfair. And Harry's like, honestly, I don't care what the judges gave me, I survived the task and my best friend is back to sticking up for me, so I'm good. Oh, It's very precious, I love it. It's also one of those moments when I want to just smack Ron upside the back of the head and go, 
Now you realize it, you dingbat. Yeah. Yeah. That seems appropriate. And on the subject of, like, the champions, another point that I forgot to mention earlier was, I do think it's really cool, though, that they did have a Hufflepuff champion for Hogwarts. Because that is finally proving, like... It's not like, oh, Hufflepuff, I think I'd leave the school if I were put into Hufflepuff. And it's like, well, yeah, like, he actually co-won the tournament, so, ha, take that. Yeah. Yeah. Hufflepuffs are not just weaklings who are unable to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Hufflepuffs, when when they talk about the sorting, and, you know, they, they talk about, um... Godric Gryffindor was like, oh, you know, I'll take the bravest ones, and Rowena, Ravenclaw's like, I'll take the smartest ones, and Salazar Slytherin's like, you know, I'll take the most cunning ones, and Helga Hufflepuff's like, and I'll take the rest. I feel what she was really saying is, I'll take the ones that embody all of that. Mm. Because, you know, Cedric was smart. Okay. So he figured out the egg trick. Okay. He was definitely brave. He put his name in there. Okay. He was definitely cunning when he's getting through the maze. He's showing his cunning right then. But he was loyal also. Like a Hufflepuff. And you see that when he gives Harry the hint. Because it's not just loyalty to his own house. It's loyalty to his school. At that point, I think in his brain, he's thinking, you know what? If I win or Harry wins, I just want to see Hogwarts win. Here's my loyalty to the school. And being worried about what's fair, too. Right. So I think Hufflepuffs, while they may not stand out in one particular fashion of that, I think they embody a little bit of each group. I really like that theory. And all four houses are important. Yay! (laughs) Not just the Gryffindors, and I say that as a Gryffindor. Like, all four are important. Slytherins are equally important, too. Because without it, my Slytherin side wouldn't show, and then I would be very depressed. I think your Slytherin side would still show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call it at that point. <laughs> Michelle, you're being evil again. <laughs> Bellatrix is my spirit animal. What can I say? <laughs> Bellatrix is your spirit animal. <laughs> I. <laughs> And you get to spend a whole four days with me at LeakyCon. Aren't you thrilled? Lucy, you want to talk about the Yule Ball? <laughs> Lucy, close your eyes for just a second. Okay. <laughs> okay, Lucy, go on with the Yule Ball. Well, the Yule Ball just exhibits, I guess, 
Well, we see like Ron and Harry like trying to find the dates, but they're like, don't want to ask any of the people they actually like. And they're just like, I have to wait for them to show interest in me. And I'm <laughs> just Ron asking Floor. <laughs> Hermione's retelling of this. Or was it Ginny who told the story? I think it was Ginny. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she yes. didn't even answer him. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's so typical of teenagers to, like, you know, I love the scene in the movie where McGonagall's teaching them all to dance. Yeah. And she's like, all right, now all of you stand up to do this. And all the girls are like, okay, I want to dance. And all the boys are like, do what? <laughs> Like that, yeah. That's exactly how that goes. Did I? I don't know. Reddit, you've heard this, um, Lucy. I don't know if you heard. I think we put this in the head canon episode. At Ron and Hermione's wedding, Ron goes up and asks McGonagall for a dance, and she says, "Oh yeah." Why he goes for old time, old time's sake. That's I like think you did put it in that episode. My head canon, <laughs> especially after <laughs> she goes. Put your hand on my waist. Sorry, You're what? Where? <laughs> Put your hand on my waist, Mr. Weasley. Now, can you imagine Snape trying to teach a Slytherin to dance? <laughs> I don't have my notebook with me, but somewhere I still have that doodle of uh, Snape and Draco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost took a sip of my coffee. Dang it, I almost got you. <sighs> okay. So, if you're interested in seeing the doodle of uh, Snape and Draco dancing, that is in the... Uh, where did I put that some... Red as doodles on our Discord mm-hmm. server. Oh, it's not in there. I'll put it in there. Because I know I do it, so... Now, what did you think about the visuals, Lucy, in the movie of the Yule Ball? And I'm, we'll get to the dress in a minute, but I'm talking <laughs> like inside of, of the Great Hall and how they had it decorated. I thought it was really cool. It had like a very different feeling from like normal life and even a different feeling from just Hogwarts Christmas, I think. It was just a little... Because Christmas at Hogwarts, it feels very, like, homey, and it feels like you're welcome, and everything's just, like, warm and safe and nice, and at the Yule Ball, it just feels like everything's just sort of, like, majestic, and just, like, a really fun, like, sort of, just more fancy opportunity, and less- very elegant. Of, yes, yes, elegant. Yeah. Yeah, I love, you know- <sighs> the wintry Yule feel of it. Mm-hmm. Like bringing a piece of outside in. I love the, the costumes. Minus mm. a certain dress. <sighs> yeah. They, they couldn't have... <sighs> Well, no, because blue was Harry's color, and Hermione's color was pink. You have to keep your characters color-coded, Michelle. Obviously, Hermione is the type of girl that loves pink and wants to wear pink all the time. Right. Yeah, someone's confusing her with lavender. 
Or, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I will I will say, though, that with Emma Watson's coloring, she did look very beautiful in that dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. She looked very stunning. Now, <laughs> what do we think about the uh, robes Ron had to wear? <sighs> Poor Ron. <laughs> I... I've never had it that bad, but I do understand what it's like to be like, this is the best thing that I slash my parents can afford. And this is what I, we're just going to have to make it work. And it it, it can be rough, man. <laughs> I just love the, I look like my great aunt Tessie. I smell, I smell like, like my, my great aunt, aunt Tessie. Uh-huh. The coloring of those robes did nothing for him. No. Well, and I love that, like, movie Harry is like, oh, is there a matching bonnet to go with it? Because, <laughs> like, that is, that, is, that is book Harry energy. I, I appreciate it when Daniel Radcliffe added in those lines that just, you're like, oh, yes, okay, there, there's the book, the sassy book Harry that we all know and love. My thought, though, in the book and the movie, was didn't any of them learn how to transfigure clothing at all? Priorities. You can turn a, you know, rabbit into slippers or, you know, a rat into a teacup. Who needs to be able to transfigure clothing? (laughs) Well, you know, if they hadn't pissed Hermione off, I'm sure she could have done it. Probably. But she's not a girl, so you know. Oh, wait. Hermione, you're a girl. Red flag. Red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love the visuals, though. Um Mm -hmm. It was very nice. I, I like what you said there, Lucy. It it wasn't the whimsical feeling of Christmas. It had a whole different vibe, mm-hmm. which was was kind of nice. Though I do I I agree with what Retta said in a previous episode. I love the feeling of of Christmas at Hogwarts with all the trees and yeah, just. But I love the Christmas season. So mm-hmm. Halloween's my favorite. But I do, I'm like you. Halloween is my favorite season. Yes, I start celebrating Halloween like August 1st. I'm like, yes, it's spooky season. Everybody's like, it's still 90 degrees out. Will you please chill? No, it's spooky season. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I mean, think about it. We're going to be spending it dressing up that weekend. We're getting Halloween started early. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so another thing about the Yule Ball. Um, question for both of you here so we start really seeing the interaction especially in the movie because again i think alan rickman hit his portrayal of snape was such that you really had questions about snape's loyalty throughout and we see him with karkaroff and their interactions what was your gut reaction to that 
Well, I mean, it looks suspicious is what it is. It certainly seems as if Snape's up to no good, but at the same time, like, he's obviously not agreeing with Karkaroff and there's some disputing there. And so it's like, well, which one is actually the most like wrong in the situation? And that sort of got me wondering, but. What was your feeling there, Retta? I don't know. It really speaks to Alan Rickman's portrayal where it's like, you're just like, uh, wait, what is it? Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. Right. Especially when Karkaroff's talking about the dark mark. Yeah. Of course, the first time that I, well, most of the times that I've read it, I have not been a state fan as everybody who listens to the show knows. So I'll get you there eventually. You will try. <laughs> At least I have Lucy here with me. <laughs> I think you might be a, a little on your own here, but <laughs> <laughs> my my appreciation for Snape can only go so far. <laughs> completely evil. He's certainly not completely evil, but <laughs> he's morally gray. He's a good guy that did some bad things. He's a goodish gray, I think. <laughs> ha, at least I got goodish. <laughs> Better than what Reddit gives me. That's true. <laughs> All right. Let, let, let's move on to the second task here. Um, Retta, I, I love your note here. Ah, yes. <laughs> let's all go out and watch the surface of the lake. <clears throat> How entertaining. I just why why do you even have people watching when it's just the surface of the lake? And same thing with the maze. It's like what what is the point of having spectators so that they can watch everybody go in and then sit there for an hour and then like are they gonna come back or are they gonna drown? Nobody knows. I guess we'll find out if their body floats to the top or not. Like Have either one of you seen the meme though? Where Neville's like, I killed Harry Potter. And then Voldemort's like, tell me how you did it. Tell me your secret. <laughs> yes. I'm not. That one. But no, um, that's another thing. Going into that task, though. The whole gillyweed thing. Enough of the Dobby erasure. It was Dobby that gave it to Harry, not Neville. I mean, I'm glad they did something for Neville. Mm-hmm. Yes. That did not make him look like a bumbling idiot. Because this is really kind of where we start seeing a different side to Neville. Well, and especially when he's, like, trying to tell Harry, he's like, oh, yeah, like, they're developing this special type of wood that, like, can fly or whatever. And Harry's like, no offense, but I really don't care. And it's like, okay, Harry... Your life revolves around playing Quidditch. Like, you survived the last task because you had your broom with you that's made of wood that flies. <laughs> this is actually something you should care about. Poor Neville. <laughs> I really feel bad for him. I know. Yeah, it, it, it's 
you know, this is where Hermione would get on her little rampage about acknowledging the elves. Yeah. Yep. Because that was Dobby. Yep. But what did you think of of the other characters? So, you know, Gilly, we tended, turned out to be the best way to go about it. What did you think about the bubblehead charm and then crumbs turning into a shark they meet? I mean, it helped that he had teeth. Sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, all I can picture now is Maui from Moana when he's oh, trying yeah. to pry out his hook. <laughs> and all you see, like, that screenshot, <laughs> they turn into a meme of, like, Moana standing there next to Maui where he's, like, half a shark. And then you just see, like, his grass skirt and human legs. And I am I just, that is always what I picture. It's, it's Victor and Hermione standing on the shore of the lake. <laughs> That's a very good point that I never thought of before. <laughs> like, it's, it's silly, but it worked. I mean... Mm-hmm. He made so, it. Mm, yep. Okay, so... My problem with that, even in, in the books... Okay, so... Obviously, it made sense that for Fleur, Fleur her sister was taken. Gabrielle was taken. Ron was taken for Harry. Hermione, you're telling me that Crumb's got all those friends at Durmstrang and everything else. And this girl that he barely knows that's not even from his same school is the most important thing. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Also, wouldn't... Sharks can only breathe salt water, right? Or can they breathe fresh water? I think it's only salt water. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) I just... (laughs) I have questions. Well, wait a minute. We okay, so that water though, while it's a lake, okay, we don't know how that lake was made. We don't know the components of it. This is a magical world. We know the Hogwarts bathrooms empty into it. Moaning Myrtle says that. She appears in the lake and then she's like, yeah, sometimes I end up here by accident when somebody flushes the toilet and I'm not paying attention. Oh yeah, let's go have all the students swim in that. That's a great idea. (laughs) Well, okay, so my thought was that while it could be a lake, it could be brackish water. But now I'm thinking if they're going to empty the toilets into there, there's got to be some kind of filtration system, which takes that thought of any type of salt being in there out. And now I have nightmares. (laughs) I'm not going to even say what I'm picturing. No wonder Daniel Radcliffe ended up with a double ear infection after filming those scenes. (laughs) 
I'm just going to picture now <laughs> one of them swimming by in this turd. Just goes right oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. We are it's... in a mood tonight. <laughs> sorry. Look, if you knew what I had to deal with last night, you'd understand. That evil Miriam brought out my Slytherin side. So yeah, that's answering your question from last week, Lucy. That it just <laughs> certain things just activate it, and then it's hard to put yeah. it away. <laughs> Oops. So yes. Yeah, so now that I've had that visual from the lake, now you guys have to picture that too. Great. You're welcome, Retta. Perfect. <laughs> any other thoughts on the second task I the, filmo- the filmography of it was good mm-hmm. um, I do like how you know they were able to get the underwater scenes I think you know the fake Hermione and all that it very much looked like wax figures under that though so it was I'm hoping in the movie that we see a better portrayal of that so um, especially Hermione she looked very very fake in that I mean I realized it it was but I mean it you couldn't even say oh you know sometimes there are scenes in movies where you look and you know that that's not the real actor And you go, wow, for a second I had to, like, do a double take. This was not one of those times. Yeah. Like in Chamber of Secrets when Hermione gets petrified. You can, like, the wax figure that they have of her as, like, petrified in the hospital bed, like, is very believable. Yeah. The one in Goblet of Fire is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, when, like, I really appreciate that after Harry comes out of the lake and, you know, he's saved not only Ron, but also Fleury's sister, and her name's escaping my mind right now, but... Gabrielle. Yes. And then when, like, he has this moment where he suddenly, like, doubts himself, and he's like, well, why did I even do that? Like, now I came out last, and, like, all the people around me are making me doubt, like, why did I do that? Because that's, like, something that I know that, like, I feel sometimes where I do something, I'm like, yes, this is the right thing. Well, but I do like how they sort of reflected that in a realistic way. And then it did end up sort of, like, getting him back some points, I think. And so Mm -hmm. it did pay off in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it was not made clear that if the person wasn't rescued that, you know, they weren't going to rescue Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So he really felt as if I can't just leave her down here to die. Yeah, because he took the song literally, you know, and then Hermione and Ron were like, well, why would you be so stupid to think that? And it's like, okay, you had the reassurance before they enchanted you and put you in the lake that you were going to be fine and you would survive no matter what. Harry did not have that. Harry grew up in a household where the adults were never looking out for his physical safety. So. Yeah. You know, uh, I will say 
the clue to the lake and all that that was that was pretty done well that was done pretty well I could have done without the moaning myrtle bathroom scene but it was done <laughs> it was done I love the look on your face there right up <laughs> yep yeah but um I, I did like that, you know, he's like, wait a minute, take a bath? What did Cedric mean, take a bath? <laughs> I wonder. The one and only time bathing is mentioned in the series. <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, the showers were mentioned when Oliver Wood tried to drown himself. Yeah, but like specifically bathing. <laughs> We're big on hygiene, apparently. They just dump everything into the lake, so, you know. What is the sanitation you speak of? Well, you know what the author said that they did before the bathroom and, like, indoor plumbing was installed in that castle, right? They just vanished it. Yeah, vanishing isn't a spell you learn until, like, your fourth or fifth year. (laughs) So what do you have to do? Go find an older student. Hey, I use the bathroom over here. Can you vanish that for me? Like, chamber pots have been a thing for centuries. That would have been a much better explanation. Terrible. At this point, like, emptying it into the lake is preferable. (laughs) Yeah. Where did they vanish it to? Like, that's true. I shows up in a forest somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the forbidden forest is forbidden. Yeah. <laughs> Do not try those mushrooms. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm terrible. I don't know what is wrong with me tonight. Your Slytherin is coming out. I'm rubbing off on you, Red Eyes. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, if I can stop laughing. Third task. Maze. It has nothing to do with mushrooms. Nope. Just amaze all sorts of obstacles. And Voldemort. Yeah. Now, I think as far as the challenges go, the maze was a good idea for like an actual accurate way to test people's abilities to like think on their feet and reflexively deal with these somewhat real life instances so as far as that goes i think that was a good idea for a task right well okay so again it this is what the maze had for anyone who's only seen the movies um it had um a blast ended screwed a giant spider, and anti-gravity mist. Also, the Triwizard Cup was located in the center of the maze, protected by a sphinx. So, we didn't really see much of that. Yeah. Which was really disappointing. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because I wanted to, I wanted to see the Sphinx. Yeah, yeah. That's one. That was a highlight of the book maze. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you'll get this. You know, being a, a Percy Jackson fan is mm-hmm. mythology is one of my favorite things. So, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I really wanted to see the Sphinx. You know, especially my love of mythology, that's one of my favorite creatures, let's say. So I wanted to see it. I was very disappointed it wasn't there. Yeah, that's another thing that I hope they include in the show, because that would be really cool. And it's a cool tie-in. Also, between Percy Jackson and Harry Potter, like, Mm -hmm. I love that that's one of the few creatures that we actually see in action that is very similar in both series. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you could argue that a pegasus and a unicorn are very similar. I mean, what's the difference? One has a horn, one does not. Because in a lot of different tellings, you get unicorns that have wings. So, you know, yes, you have some, like in the the Harry Potter universe where they did not, but you have a lot of universes where the unicorns have wings, they can fly. So there are some similarities between the two. But bringing that Sphinx in would have just tied that up beautifully. Mm Mm-hmm. And the yeah, riddle, we, too, yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, we, we were joking earlier about, you know, whose idea it was to put this in there and who's that. Whose idea was it to put Voldemort at the end? <laughs> uh, I think that might have been Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> Mad-Eye Moody. Just a guess? Yeah, we, should put, we should put the Dark Lord at the end. <laughs> sure, Moody, you're an horror. You could... <laughs> Give these kids some real-life experience. <laughs> Constant, Constant vigilance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love Lucy. <sighs> um that that whole scene, I will say I did like the movie scene of that though. It was very well done. It, it's creepy, it's eerie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, and the acting, even done by Daniel Radcliffe, the fear you saw in him at that was the acting was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I was very impressed. So, um, yeah, I've got one friend who uh, had never been exposed to Harry Potter. And her friends decided it was a great idea the first time that they introduced her to anything Harry Potter to watch the end of Goblet of Fire. (laughs) And I'm like, that is the worst possible scene. Like, I cannot think of a worse spot to start somebody. Like, that is the darkest scene. Why? Why would you do that? Like, I mean. The only thing that could be worse would be like, hey, let me show you when Dumbledore dies. Yeah. 
But even then, that's not like a graveyard and somebody seemingly like coming back from the dead out of a cauldron. Like, no, but but it, it's one of those. It, it the same thing though in the way of. By the way, so you're gonna see this teacher kill basically the principal of the school. Oh, but don't worry, the teacher's not evil, and the principal wasn't that good. And the principal actually, plot twist, asked the teacher to do it ahead of time, but didn't inform anybody else of this. Because the principal's a genius. Makes sense. Now, go watch from the beginning. (laughs) What? (laughs) There's just certain points you don't start movies at. But the graveyard scene, definitely, that it was very dark, and you, mm-hmm. I think that's where we really see the movies shifting. Yes, absolutely. It's a massive change from the childlike whimsy and wonder we see in the first three movies, and kind of sort of throughout book four. I mean, book four like, starts out whimsical and then is getting progressively darker, but that's definitely the turning point for the series. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, um, the whole Barty Crouch, Mad Eye Moody thing was a shocker. I hated the weird tongue thing that they did in the movies to hint at it. I didn't like that either. <laughs> no, if I ever get David Tennant's autograph, I'm just gonna be like, so, so, question for you here. Was this your idea or their idea? Because it was horrible. Yeah, out of all the mannerisms you could have gotten, you decided a lizard impression was the one to go with. And hopefully David Tennant does not say it was his idea because (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should start off with that. So was that your idea, sir? Oh, it was. Oh. Lizard impression. (laughs) Great. Oh, it wasn't your idea? Yeah, you should have talked them out of that. That was horrible. What the heck? Poor man, I really hope that wasn't his idea. Now, I did see um, a post on Reddit today, and this actually had to do with Goblet of Fire. So we go back to where Snape is talking about three drops of Veritaserum would have Voldemort spilling his darkest secrets, and it he pours almost the whole bottle down Crouch's mouth. And their, their response is, well, I thought he was supposed to be a potions master, he should have known better. I think that was the idea. Yeah, he was not messing around. He did not want any room for error, any room for questions. He wanted the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and he wanted it now. Mm-hmm. That, that was my thought on it. So, what did you think about the, both of you, what did you think about the... Okay, so we, we never saw the polyjuice go into effect before mm-hmm. at this. We know they t- the Golden Trio took polyjuice at one point, but we never saw that detransformation and all that. What did you think about the way they did it? Honestly, I don't remember what it looked like. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. It was pretty much exactly how I pictured it reading it in the books where just as he transforms you know like the fake leg and the fake eye fall 
off or out, whatever, and mm-hmm. like they they did a really good job with those effects. Mm-hmm. That was my thought too. I, I've seen some posts where people go, "Oh, well, I thought they could have done it better," but that's how I pictured it from the books, so I wasn't sure how they were supposed to make it better. It's not supposed to be a pretty process. No, now, oh, poor Hermione probably shed. And that's why she was in the hospital wing for a month. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so Professor Snape, what would you do in this scenario? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so let's go back into the, the, the maze, though. Let, let's talk about the death of Cedric Diggory. Yeah. This is one of those times where I think the Curse of Child sort of added something for me because oftentimes I find it difficult to be super affected when characters in books die. And even in movies, honestly, like, sure, I'm like, well, that's a bummer. But it doesn't, like, emotionally affect me, really, because I'm not totally sure why. But in The Cursed Child, then we see sort of his dad and how much he just wants Cedric back because he was despair, you know, and he didn't need to die, but he was an extra and they didn't need him. So just killed him. And that, I think, made sort of the entire death a little more sort of real and understandable to me and like wow that actually is really big and really awful yeah Red and I had that conversation actually last night mm-hmm. where character deaths don't affect me very much um Sirius is dead in the movie just because and I know you had heard this when I talked about it before Lucy I, watching the movie, the screen goes blank. Mm-hmm. I can hear the music. I know what's coming, but I don't see it. Um, so that was very hard. Um, and then when I did get to see that, it wasn't so much that Sirius died. It was Daniel Radcliffe's reaction. That was hard to watch. Brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. acting. Yes. Um, I did tear up in the books when I read the deaths. Um, I fully cried when Hedwig died, but that goes into a point Ren and I made on the phone. Um, I think the only real TV or movie deaths that have affected me is when they've killed the character off because the actor's dead. And then it's not even the character I'm mourning, it's the actor. The animal deaths, though, get me. Hedwig's death got me. That one affected me. I think the one death that always gets me in Harry Potter is always Dobby. Dobby affected me, too. Yeah, I think Cedric's death was also that that catalyst of this is no longer Voldemort is no longer that that monster in the closet. 
Mm-hmm. He's that monster brought to life. Mm-hmm. Because we don't see James and Lily die. So this is the first death we see at his hands, really. Yep. Like we said, it's that transition that, oh, crap, this is real. It's really happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, very dark. So. All right. Anything else we wanted to discuss before we move on to the Quizzler? No. I, think I don't have anything. Cool. All right. Michelle? <laughs> Okay, oh. <clears throat> Quizzler time, and since we have a guest, we get to ask our guest fun questions, and I'm usually nice with my questions, so I'm going to be nice to you. Um, which Hogwarts house do you think Ahsoka Tano would have been sorted into? Um, yes, I think probably, I think we talked about this, Retta, with Addie that one time a little bit, and... I'm, this is the problem. I think either Gryffindor or Hufflepuff, because obviously she's very, well, because she is brave. That part is obvious. She can be very reckless, especially when she's younger. But then she also has a lot of empathy and kindness towards just everybody, which we particularly see, like, just all throughout Clone Wars. But then at the same time... (laughs) Then she's also kind of got a little bit of this Ravenclaw like inner intelligence that she could even spoiler alert leave the Jedi Order in things, and that she had that sort of inner strength to make that choice for herself. I would say she's not a Slytherin, and that's really. I mean, I do like that theory though that like Hufflepuff sort of embody a little bit from each house, and so that could be sort of that thing where she does have little aspects from each, but. Other than that, that's pretty tough. And so I might go with... Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't think she fits perfectly into any of them. So yeah, I guess that's my confusing answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, but yeah. acceptable. I like your reasoning and I agree with it. <laughs> All right. I love having new victims. I mean, oh, no. new people on the show. <laughs> Actually, my question, and this is funny, Retta and I did not discuss what we were going to ask you. She just told me she was going to ask you having something to do with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that her question and my question were almost going to be somewhat identical. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, no, my question is actually Percy Jackson. Oh. <laughs> but... Let, let's take the main three. You've got Percy, Grover, and Annabeth. What houses would you sort them into? Okay. I almost want to put Annabeth and Slytherin because she is so ambitious. And, like, her whole thing is she's trying to prove herself and show the gods that she's strong and she's capable. And that's very, yes, it's very much a Slytherin trait. And... I do think that might fit her the most. And this is another situation where it's not that Slytherins are like evil. It's just that they're ambitious and sometimes 
that just happens to go along with some more villainy aspects. But Annabeth Chase obviously is not a villain, but I do think she might belong in Slytherin. Okay. Okay. And Grover, he's just a Hufflepuff through and through. Yes. There's no doubt about it. Yes. He's just he's so loyal and he just wants to keep his friends safe. And Yeah. And then Percy. I mean, there are so many parallels between Percy and Harry. It's like they even look pretty much the same. Yeah. And they just have so many like similar character traits. So I do think he probably is a Gryffindor. Mm. If we're being realistic, but yeah. No, I, I like that you put Annabeth into Slytherin because I've heard so many people go, Well, her mother is the um goddess of wisdom, therefore she's a Ravenclaw, and I've never That's not how that. it works. <laughs> so, no, right. No, so I'm glad you said that. I'm I'm glad. Yep. All right. No, I, I'm I'm glad to hear your thoughts on that. All right. So on to voicemails and shoutouts. Don't have any voicemails this week. I don't know that we've had any new comments either, have we? We had notifications that we did, but good luck with finding them. Oh. Actually, we did have a response from Addie, one of our other favorites. Uh, so our last episode was all about Patroni, Patronuses, whatever. Patronuses. You know, kind of mental health and depression in the wizarding world. Uh, and the question on it was, what is your Patronus? And Addie said, either a dog or a phoenix. Thank you all for doing an episode about this. I sometimes struggle to find happiness when I'm not trying to be perfect for my parents. Y'all are awesome. Aww. Thank you, Addie. <laughs> Hi, Addie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're happy to discuss it. It was something that meant a lot to both of us, as anybody who's listened to it can probably tell. And, you know, it was very personal talking about it so i'm glad that you enjoyed it yeah and i'm not gonna um we we had some other comments aimed our way of people saying it hit home so i'm kind of glad we could bring light to something that is somewhat shadowed mm -hmm. so um i didn't get permission to share those comments so i won't um but yeah there we go All right, guys, don't forget, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. The link is in the show notes. Um, also, our Discord. So, yep. Send us a voicemail or an email. The link for the voicemails is in our show notes. Or you can email us at GryffindorCommonRoomPod at gmail.com. Lucy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Yes, it was awesome to have you on. Can she be our second pet Ravenclaw? Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Um, did you have anything that you would like to promote or talk about, Lucy? Um, well, I've got a podcast focusing on Star Wars and some real life things as well. It's called For Light and Life. It's on Anchors, oh well, Spotify for Podcasters now. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. 
um, just web browser, <laughs> a couple other places, I think, too. And yep, it's just every Sunday. And I guess the link will be in the description. But it's just a fun little community. And we just have some fun and just so a lot of positive things is what we like to do over there, especially since things on our current world aren't always so positive. So <laughs> yeah, definitely so recommend it. You do support her. And, you know, if, if let's say star Wars is not your thing, but you know, someone who is do point them in her direction, you know, yeah. share that information. Thank you. Yeah. I really like your episodes cause they're not long winded like ours are. And it just, <laughs> like yeah, 30 minutes or less like bam get it done sweet. <laughs> yeah you're much more to the point than michelle and i are we can be long-winded but at least we're self-aware <laughs> we go off on tangents it's not our they're fault. entertaining tangents but <laughs> <laughs> get two people together with adhd and find out what happens yay yay um so yeah next week uh in honor of father's day we're going to be discussing father figures in the harry potter series um yeah so that'll be a good episode if you have any thoughts on father figures in the harry potter series who you really considered to be you know harry's true father figure whatever uh we'd love to hear them so send us a voicemail or an email all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. It has been an absolute blast. Lucy, again, I'm going to say thank you again. Come back anytime you want. I loved having you here. Mm-hmm. Thanks. So. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us again in the Gryffindor Common Room. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Lucy. <laughs> and we'll see you guys later. Thank you.